0: Welcome to another edition of the Y-Pod, where we highlight everyday Wyoming leaders. This episode features authors Kathleen and Michael Gear. We talk about how the West and anthropology have influenced them, how they write such strong characters, and some great advice for you creators out there. Hope you enjoy listening nearly as much as we enjoyed recording it. Here we go with Kathleen and Michael Gere.
1: Kathleen O'Neill
0: Gear. And I'm W. Michael Gear. Thank you guys both for doing this. We're in the historic Chamberlain Inn in Cody, Wyoming. Our favorite place, by a- the way. Absolutely.
2: We've done an awful lot of plotting for books here. This is one of the places that we come after a hard day's writing to just pitch the plot back and forth, talk about characterization to uh, say, well, what's going to happen next with this book? So this is kind of like our, our mental refuge.
1: This is also the place that Ernest Hemingway chose to come when he was in Cody. And he did that because it's just so beautiful and so refreshing, and it creates a sense of inspiration for writing. Your
0: perspective as writers also is incredibly diverse. There is an anthropological feel to a lot of the work that you do, You guys also have a background that's not traditional for typical authors?
1: Yeah, Mike and I were both archaeologists by academic training, although part of my academic training was in American Indian history, which is complementary for archaeology. But it influences everything we do, whether it's if we're writing about prehistory, it's obviously an influence, but even when we're writing about science fiction, The anthropology and the archaeology are still there. At this point
2: in time, we have about 17 million copies in print of our 84 novels. Uh, We're Wyoming's best-selling authors. Kathy's in in the California University System Hall of Fame. She's also in, in the Women Who Write the West Hall of Fame. Uh, we've been translated into twenty nine languages. Had numerous books on the New York Times list. So it's it's kind of a a long and, and storied career.
1: And we're both in the uh, Western Writers Hall of Fame. Michael is also in the Colorado Authors Hall of Fame. Uh, but the the reason we mention all those things is because. The West is also a huge influence upon everything we write. For example, my latest science fiction series is set along the Pacific Coast. It runs down the Pacific Coast. The Rewilding Chronicles. Yes.
2: The the Ice Lion, the Ice Ghost, and then in November, the third book, The Ice Orphan, will be out.
1: But it's set in the West. It's a very different West than what we look at today. It looks more like it did 18,000 years ago with the last ice age. But it's still set in the West. The West is a huge inspiration for us.
2: It's had that same influence on our, our writing in the prehistory series. We have just published the 29th and last book in the People series on North American archaeology. That's Lightning Shell. It's out now in hardcover and ebook book format. Because we have lived in an outdoor setting, we've hunted elk. We've raised bison for 30 years, done as much western archaeology as we have. That has given us that feel that we have needed to write those novels. I mean, even if you go back to the to the paleoanthropological stuff, the, the paleo-Indian migration in with people of the wolf, people of the nightland, those books. I mean, it, it's one thing to read about it. It's an entirely different thing when, when you have to skin out your own elk and pack it out with the black timber. And that provides that sense of...
1: Texture. It's texture for the stories.
2: Yeah, because a novel works on three things. It works on plot, character, and setting. That's the tripod that, that holds that
0: novel up. How do you decide the level of information that you'll give to people versus, you know, value? How much is too much? How much is enough?
1: It depends on the book we're writing, Eric. So generally, just as a general statement, we use about 10% of our research in the novel because if you include too much, you know, you bore people to tears. And, and slow the story. And you slow the story. And you don't want to do that. You still need that information because it's you're looking through that information to actually create the story, even if it doesn't go in the book.
2: That, this is a lesson that Gene All taught us. Because in the beginning, we were writing prehistory, and of course, she established the genre with Clan of the Cave Bear. Kathy and I were were going through reading the book, and all of a sudden, she stops the story to go on for five pages in discussions of different kinds of mammoth fat.
1: Which we find very interesting as anthropologists, but we suspect the reader did not. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah. and so part of our job in writing these things, keep in mind that this whole writing thing, it's a craft. When they talk about it being a craft, it is an art. Our job is to include as much of that cultural information, as much of that setting, and as much of that place as we can without having five pages on mammoth fat. What we do as authors is
0: include that so that the reader doesn't even know that they're they're learning that. In every book I've read that you guys have written, the characters have such a depth to them, and in particular female characters?
1: You write the characters not as males and females, you write them as human beings. And as soon as you learn that fundamental lesson, and the way that you learn it is you switch the genders when you're writing, so that if you had a character who was female, you switch that character to being male. Does the dialogue read the same? And if it doesn't, you have a bias against women. And you just learn to do that, and the reverse is also true. That's an interesting point that
2: you bring up, because with the Donovan books, uh, this is, I guess you would call it frontier science fiction. It's a, a science fiction series, book number six, is coming out. Reckoning will be out in November, October. Um, with the Donovan books, one of the early criticisms that I got on it was, "Gee, Gear writes all of his character, all of his female characters as if they were men." That set me back until I realized that there is a, a cultural disconnect between women living in in Amherst, Massachusetts, versus. The women that I know in archaeology, in the bison industry, who are ranchers, who are hunters, I'm not sure that I could write a soccer mom from Amherst, Massachusetts, because the, the things that they have to deal with are different than what women in, in the West, in our environment, or in the military, or in
0: police work, have to deal with. How much attention do you pay to comments and critics and social media as long as
2: they bought the book, they can say any damn thing they want they, to. They, they
1: earn the right by purchasing the book. But you do, you pay attention because you have to. You will often find something really valuable in something that someone says about your work, whether it's good or bad. Usually, when they make a negative comment, though, you can see where they're bringing their own issues to the work that it was not in the book at all, but it was important to them. Uh, they translate their own identity through the characters in your book. And you can see where they're wrong, but sometimes they highlight things in the book that make you look at yourself. So it points a finger directly at you and says, Hmm, do I really believe that? Why did that come across to this person? So oftentimes the comments that you read are really valuable. Do you know, we all read differently today, Eric, than we did 20 years ago. Hmm. 20 years ago, you could sit there and you could read through 10 pages of absolutely lovely, totally boring description of the setting before you got to dialogue. And today, readers immediately want to know who the characters are and what the problem is they're trying to solve. And I'm the same way. I want to know that too.
0: What's something that you've learned in all the work that you've done together and separately that you wish you'd learned earlier.
1: When Mike and I first started co-authoring, I was extremely annoyed that he would develop a God complex. And what I mean is that he'd be writing hard all day long. He would stop for the day and I'd be fixing dinner and he'd come into the kitchen. And it didn't matter if I said, oh look, the sun is setting in the west. He'd say, no, it isn't. It was not setting in the west. Because he is in the story so much. And he is God when he's the author. And it was really hard for him to come out of being in the story. And I wish I had learned much earlier that that is healthy. That that is not... I don't have to say, will you stop that? What I want to say is stay in the story. You know, that's where you're supposed to be. I wish I'd learned that early. Huh. You've never
2: told me that before. That's a wonderful reply. I think... Brevity, perhaps? Not being as wordy? Kathleen taught me this. Still, periodically, teaches me this over and over and over and over again, where she'll hand me sections of manuscript back with big sections marked out, saying, this is extraneous. Get to the point.
0: We don't need to hear this. The idea of being edited once authors get to be successful, in some cases they... They don't have as much restraint on them.
1: When I feel like I've done really good work, if Mike doesn't get it, then I did not. And it has to be rewritten. There are moments where I will say to him, okay, this is what I was trying to do. And he will say, okay, this is what you need to do to get there. It's really helpful. Yeah. No ego anymore where that's concerned. Oh,
2: I've got a lot.
1: (laughs) I've written things, Eric, I've written
2: things that were so incredibly profound that they were going to redefine Western literature and rock the Pulitzer Committee back on its heels. And Kathleen has read it and sent it back to me all marked up and in big red letters say, this is real fecal material. Okay, she used a shorter word, Germanic origin. This is one of those things where if I was so profound, I lost her. I'm going to lose a reader, too. Good editing is always appreciated. I've got the most critical brain that I know of looking at anything I write. But even then, Kathy and I, when we're working on a book, all we see is forest. And we need an editor on the outside
0: to look and see the trees and make sure that they're all growing in the right place. You could be anywhere else in the world. What is it about Wyoming that causes you to continue to live here
1: When you get out of a town in Wyoming, you know, we have a few things and places that would be considered cities, but basically we live in towns, and you get into the back country, there's something about Wyoming that is magical and mystical and the best influence we could ever have.
2: We lived on Red Canyon Ranch, raising bison for 32 years. The closest human being was seven miles away. In one direction, and in the other direction, there were probably ten fences between us and the North Pole. When you live on a ranch, you always go to the grocery store when you're in town.
1: And you stock up.
2: And you stock up, and when you live in town, you never go to the grocery store, because after all, it's only eight minutes away. But why Wyoming? It's because of the honesty of the people, because there are very, very few adopted pretenses. People are
0: just originals here. What you see is what you get. Last question for you guys, because I could keep you here for hours and I know you have other stuff to do. Thinking about someone who might be entering into a creative craft, it's challenging in a variety of ways. What advice do you give people that you talk to who say, I'm starting, what should I remember? What should I think about? What should I focus on?
1: Persistence is worth 10 times what talent is. Hang in there. Keep writing. Don't let anybody discourage you, which is very difficult when you're trying to be an artist. Don't let anybody discourage you. And just plug onward, 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 and you will make it.
2: Sheer dogged tenacity. And don't be afraid to question your art. Don't be afraid to challenge yourself to constantly do better. And never, ever think that, oh, gee, it's already perfect. Because nothing is ever in that condition. Not not as an artist, not as a poet, not as a musician. You can always do better. And you're going to work 15, 20 times harder
0: than anybody else. As a fan of many of the books that you guys have written, thanks for doing this. This was really fun. But also for being in Wyoming as opposed to being someplace else that you could be. It's great to have you here, and thanks for doing this. You're, well, you're right, very welcome, It's a Eric. pleasure. And our special thanks to the Chamberlain
2: Inn, and we urge all of your listeners when they're in Cody, please stop in.